Chapter Two of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Whose portrait is this? Malter himself opened the door of his small private hotel, a quiet, reserved man who looked like a retired butler. He was the sort of man who is slow of speech, and he had not replied to Matherfield's guarded inquiry about Mr. Robert Hannaford when a door in the little hall opened and a girl appeared, who, hearing the inspector's question, immediately came forward as if in answer. Heatherwick recognized this girl. He had seen her only the previous afternoon, in Fountain Court, in company with the man whom he knew slightly, Kenthwaite, a fellow barrister. Kenthwaite, evidently, was doing the honours, showing her round the temple, Heatherwick, in fact, in passing them, had overheard Kenthwaite telling his companion something of the history of the old houses and courts around them, and the girl had attracted him then. She was a pretty girl, tall, slim, graceful, and, in addition to her undoubted charm of face and figure, she looked to have more than an average share of character and intelligence, and was listening to her guide with obvious interest and appreciation. Heatherwick had set her down as being, perhaps, a country cousin of Kenthwaite's, visiting London, maybe for the first time. Anyhow, in merely passing her and Kenthwaite, he had noticed her so closely that he now recognized her at once. He saw, too, that she recognized him. But there was another matter more pressing than that, and she had gone straight to it. "'Are these gentlemen asking after my grandfather?' she inquired, coming still nearer and glancing from the hotel proprietor to the two callers. "'He's not come in.' Heatherwick was glad to hear that the dead man was the girl's grandfather. Certainly it was a close relationship, but, after all, not so close as it might have been, and he was conscious that the inspector was relieved, too. "'We're asking about Mr. Robert Hannaford,' he said. "'Is he your grandfather, ex-superintendent Hannaford of Selithwaite?' "'Just so. "'Well, I'm very sorry to bring bad news about him,' he broke off, watching the girl keenly, as if he wanted to make sure that she would take the news quietly. And evidently reassured on that point, he suddenly went on definitely. "'You'll understand,' he said, it's, well, the worst news. The fact is, is my grandfather dead? interrupted the girl. If that's it, please say so. I shan't faint or anything of that sort, but I want to know. I'm sorry to say he is dead, replied Matherfield. He died suddenly in the train at Charing Cross. A seizure, no doubt. Was he well when you saw him last? The girl turned to the hotel proprietor, who was standing by, evidently amazed. "'Never saw a gentleman look better or seem better in my life than he did when he went out of that door at half-past six o'clock,' he exclaimed. "'Best of health and spirits!' "'My grandfather was quite well,' said the girl, quietly. "'I never remember him being anything else but well. He was a very strong, vigorous man.' "'Will you please tell me about it?' Matherfield told all about it, turning now and then to Heatherwick for corroboration. 
in the end he put a question this man that mr heatherwick saw in your grandfather's company he suggested do you recognize anyone from that description no no one answered the girl but my grandfather knew people in london whom i don't know he has been going about a good deal since we came here three days ago looking out for a house well we shall have to find that man remarked matterfield of course if you'd recognized the description as that of somebody known to you no she said again i know nobody like that but now do you wish me to go with you to him it's not necessary i wouldn't to-night if i were you replied matherfield i'll call again in the morning meanwhile leave matters to us and the doctors you've friends in london i suppose yes we have friends relations in fact said the girl i must let them know at once matherfield nodded and turned to the door but heatherwick lingered he and the girl were looking at each other he suddenly spoke i saw you this afternoon he said in fountain court with a man whom i know slightly mr kenswaite is he by any chance one of the relations you mentioned just now because if so he lives close by me i can tell him if you wish no she answered not a relative we know him you might tell him if you please and if it's no trouble no trouble at all said heatherwick and if i may i hope you'll let me call in the morning to hear if there's anything i can do for you the girl gave him a quick responsive glance that's very kind of you she said yes heatherwick and the police inspector left the little hotel and walked up the street matherfield seemed to be in a brown study somewhere up in the strand and farther away down fleet street the clocks began striking seems to me exclaimed matherfield suddenly seems to me mr heatherwick this is murder you mean poison said heatherwick likely why yes of course it would be poison we must have that man you can't add to your description of him you've already got everything that i can tell pretty full and accurate too i should say you oughtn't to have much difficulty in laying hands on him from my description matherfield made a sound that was half a laugh and half a groan lord bless you he said it's like seeking a needle in a bundle of hay searching for a given man in london i mean of course sometimes more often than not in fact here's this chap rushes up the stairs at charing cross vanishes where one man amongst seven millions of men and women however then they parted and heatherwick full of thought went home to his chambers and to bed and lay equally thoughtful for a long time before he went to sleep he made a poor night of it but soon after eight o'clock he was in kenthwaite's chambers kenthwaite was dressing and breakfasting at the same time a ready-packed brief-bag and an open timetable suggested that he was in a hurry to catch a train but he suspended his operations to stare open-mouthed wide-eyed at heatherwick's news hannaford dead he exclaimed great scott why he was as fit as a fiddle at noon yesterday heatherwick he and his granddaughter called on me and i took him to lunch 
I come from Selithwaite, you know, so of course I knew them. Hannaford had to go as soon as we'd lunched, some appointment. So I showed the girl round a bit. Nice girl, that. Clever. Name of Rona. Worth cultivating. And the old man's dead. Bless me. I don't think there's much doubt about foul play, observed Heatherwick. Looks uncommonly like it, said Kenthwaite. He went on with his double task. Well, he added, sorry, but I can't be of any use to Miss Hannaford today. Got to go down to a beastly quarter-sessions case, my boy, and precious little time to catch my train. But tomorrow, perhaps you can give him a hand this morning? Yes, answered Heatherwick. I'm doing nothing. I'll go round there after a while. I'm interested, naturally. It's a queer case. Queer? Seems so, rather, assented Kenthwaite. Well, give Miss Hannaford my sympathy and all that, and tell her that if there's anything I can do when I get back, you know what to say. She said she'd relations here in London, remarked Heatherwick. Cousins, aunts, something or other, over tooting way, I think, agreed Kenthwaite. Twenty past eight. Heatherwick, I'll have to rush for it. He swallowed the last of his coffee, seized the bag, and darted away. Heatherwick went back to his own chambers and breakfasted leisurely. And all the time he sat there, he was pondering over the events of the previous midnight, and especially upon the sudden disappearance of the man with the stained fingers. To Heatherwick that disappearance seemed to argue guilt. He figured it this way. The man who ran away at Charing Cross had poisoned this other man in some clever and subtle fashion by means of something which took a certain time to take effect, and when that time arrived did its work with amazing swiftness. Heatherwick, in his war service, had seen men die more times than he cared to remember. He had seen some men shot through the brain, he had seen others shot through the heart, but he had never seen any of these men, some of them shot at his very side, die with the extraordinary quickness with which Hannaford had died. And he came to a conclusion. If the man with the stained fingers had poisoned Hannaford, then he was somebody who had a rare and a profound knowledge of poisons. He went round to Surrey Street at ten o'clock. Miss Hannaford, said the hotel proprietor, had gone with her aunt, a Mrs. Keeley, who had come early that morning to see her grandfather's dead body. Some police official had fetched them. But she had left a message for anyone who called that she would not be long away. And Heatherwick waited in the little dingy coffee-room. There were certain questions that he wanted to put to Rona Hannaford. Also, he wanted to give her certain information. "'Very sad case, this, sir,' observed the hotel proprietor, hovering about his breakfast-tables. "'Cruel end for a fine, healthy gentleman like Mr. Hannaford.' "'Very sad,' agreed Heatherwick. "'You said last night, or rather this morning, that Mr. Hannaford was in good health and spirits when he went out early in the evening?' "'The best, sir. He was a cheery, affable gentleman, fond of his joke.' "'joked and laughed with me as I opened the door for him, "'never thinking, sir, as I should never see him again alive. "'You don't know where he was going?' "'I don't, sir. "'And his granddaughter, clever young lady that, sir, "'she don't know neither. 
She went to a theatre, along of her aunt, the lady that came early this morning. We wired the bad news to her first thing, and she came along at once. But him? No, I don't know where he went to spend his evening. Been in and out, and mostly out, ever since they were here, three days ago. House-hunting, so I understood. Rona Hannaford presently returned, in company with a motherly-looking woman whom she introduced as her aunt, Mrs. Keeley. Then Heatherwick remembered that he had not introduced himself. Rectifying that omission, he found that Kenthwaite had told Rona who he was when he passed them the previous afternoon. He delivered Kenthwaite's message, and in his absence offered his own services. "'It's very good of you,' said Rona. "'I don't know that there is anything to do. The police seem to be doing everything. The inspector, who was here last night, was very kind just now. But, as he said, there is nothing to be done until after the inquest.' "'Yes,' said Heatherwick. "'And that is—did he say when?' "'Tomorrow morning. He said I should have to go,' replied Rona. "'So shall I,' observed Heatherwick. "'They'll only want formal evidence from you. I shall have to say more. I wish I could say more than I shall have to say.' The two women glanced at him inquiringly. "'I mean,' he continued, "'that I wish I had stopped the other men from leaving the train. I suppose you have not heard anything from the police about him, that man?' "'Nothing.' They had not found him, or heard of him, up to just now. But you can tell me something that I very much want to know. You saw this man with my grandfather for some time, didn't you? From St. James's Park to Charing Cross. Did you overhear their conversation, or any of it? A good deal, at first. Afterwards your grandfather began to whisper, and I heard nothing of that. "'But one reason I had for calling upon you this morning "'was that I might tell you what I did over here, "'and another, that I might ask you some questions "'arising out of what I heard. "'Mr. Hannaford was talking to this man, now missing, "'about some portrait or photograph. "'Evidently it was of a lady whom he, your grandfather, "'had known ten years ago, "'whom the other man had also known.' "'Your grandfather said that when they got to his hotel "'he would show the portrait to the other man, "'who, he asserted, would be sure to recognize it. "'Now, had Mr. Hannaford said anything to you? "'Do you know anything about his bringing any friend of his "'to the hotel last night? "'And do you know anything about any portrait or photograph "'such as that to which he referred? "'About bringing anyone here? No. "'He never said anything to me about it.' "'But about a photograph, or rather, about a print of one, yes, I do know something about that.' "'What?' asked Heatherwick eagerly. "'Well, this,' she answered. "'My grandfather, who, as I dare say you know by this time, "'was for a good many years superintendent of police at Salathwaite, "'had a habit of cutting things out of newspapers, "'paragraphs, accounts of criminal trials, and so on.' He had several boxes full of such cuttings. When we were coming to town the other day, I saw him cut a photograph out of some illustrated paper he was reading in the train, and put it away in his pocketbook. In a pocketbook, I ought to say, for he had two or three pocketbooks. 
This morning I was looking through various things which he had left lying about on his dressing-table upstairs, and in one of his pocket-books I found the photograph which he cut out in the train. That must be the one you mention. It's of a very handsome, distinguished-looking woman. If I may see it, suggested Heatherwick. Within a couple of minutes he had the cutting in his hand, a scrap of paper neatly snipped out of its surrounding letterpress which was a print of a photograph of a woman apparently thirty-five to forty years of age evidently of high position and certainly as rona hannaford had remarked of handsome and distinguished features but it was not at the photograph that heatherwick gazed with eyes into which surmise and speculation were beginning to steal after a mere glance at it, his attention fixed itself on some penciled words on the margin at its sides. Through my hands ten years ago. Is that your grandfather's writing? he inquired suddenly. Yes, that's his, replied Rona. He had a habit of penciling notes and comments on his cuttings, all sorts of remarks. "'He didn't mention this particular cutting to you when he cut it out?' "'No, he said nothing about it. "'I saw him cut it out and heard him chuckle as he put it away. "'But he said nothing.' "'You don't know who this lady is?' "'Oh, no. "'You see, there's no name beneath it. "'I suppose there was in the paper, "'but he cut out nothing but the picture and a bit of margin.' but from what he's written there i conclude that this is a portrait of some woman who had been in trouble with the police at some time or other obvious muttered heatherwick he sat silently inspecting the picture for a minute or two look here he said suddenly i want you to let me help in trying to get at the bottom of this naturally you want to have it cleared up and to begin with let me have this cutting and for the present don't tell anyone i mean the police or any inquirers that i have it i'd like to have a talk about it to kenthwaite you understand as i was present at your grandfather's death i'd like to solve the mystery of it if you'll leave this to me oh yes replied rona but you think there has been foul play that he didn't die a natural death that it wasn't just heart failure, or... The door of the little coffee-room was opened, and Matherfield looked in. Seeing Heatherwick there, he beckoned him into the hall, closing the door again as the young barrister joined him. Heatherwick saw that he was full of news, and instantly thought of the man with the stained fingers. "'Well,' he said eagerly, "'laid your hands on that fellow?' "'On him? No,' answered Matherfield. "'Not a word or sign of him.' so far but the doctors have finished their post-mortem and there's no doubt about their verdict poisoned matherfield sank his voice to a whisper as he spoke the last word and heatherwick ready though he was for the news started when he got it the definiteness of the announcement seemed like opening a window upon a vista of obscured and misty distances he glanced at the door behind him of course they'll have to be told in there said matherfield interpreting his thoughts but the thing's certain our surgeon suspected it from the first and he got a home office specialist to help at the autopsy they say the man was poisoned by some drug or other 
I don't understand these things, that had been administered to him two or three hours before he died, and that when it did work, worked with absolutely lightning-like effect. Yes, muttered Heatherwick thoughtfully, lightning-like effect. Good phrase. I can testify that it did that. Matherfield laid a hand on the door. Well, he said, I'd better tell these ladies. Then there are things I want to know from the granddaughter. I've seen her and her aunt before this morning. I found out that Hannaford brought up and educated this girl, and that she lived with him in Salithwaite since she left school, so she'll know more about him than anybody, and I want to learn all I can. Come in with me. End of chapter 2